Welcome to The Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Now here's your Lighthouse Council host. Hello and welcome to The Beacon Podcast. I'm Ryan Warnicke, your host for today's discussion with Nathan Chappelle, co-author of the provocative new book, Generosity Crisis, The Case for Radical Connection to Solve Humanity's Greatest Challenges. As a thought leader, public speaker, and writer, Nathan is considered one of the world's foremost experts on the intersection of artificial intelligence and philanthropy. He's the senior vice president of DonorSearch AI, and in 2021, founded Fundraising.ai as a member-centric collaboration with a focus on data ethics, data equality, privacy, security, and sustainability. In 2019, Nathan was listed as one of the top 100 influencers in philanthropy. And in 2018, he presented his first TEDx on the topic of artificial intelligence and the future of generosity. Nathan, you and I worked together at DonorSearch for about two years, so it's great to be able to catch up with you here today. Great to be here, Ryan. Good to catch up with you as well. And I guess our relationship goes back even before that. So kind of seeing each other in a... Well, grow up in the industry, if you will. Yeah, it's been great. There's a lot that you did that would be really relevant for our audience that's, frankly, we don't have time to get into, unfortunately, yeah. through your journey. But but yes, it's it's been fun getting to know you and then getting to work with you and, and bringing you here. So let's jump right in and talk about the generosity crisis. It's a multi-part question. What is it? And what are the implications to the nonprofit world and the missions that it supports? Yeah, no, I'm happy to jump right in. And thanks for the opportunity to talk about this. I mean, this is a topic that for many years is really, um, I don't, what's the opposite of en vogue? It was out of vogue. Frankly, around 2012, I, I did a, a case study on the evolution of mega gifts and was starting to realize that giving generosity was changing in the sense that more ultra high net worth people were making up a larger pool of the total funds given. And while that seemed kind of intriguing at the beginning with the signing of the giving pledge in 2010 and whether or not that that would inspire more giving, kind of the opposite thing has happened. So over the years, we've seen essentially a decline in household participation, a decline in the percentage of individuals that are giving to charity, but it's been essentially masked by these ultra high net worth gifts that are essentially filling the bucket. So the bucket's continuing to be filled and creating a false sense of security in the philanthropy industry that all things are good. And it finally came to be that, you know, after a couple of years of talking about this with different individuals and trying to encourage other people to write a book about it, obviously without success, decided that it was time that someone had to ring the bell loudly and say, this is something that we need to change. Something needs to happen here. And essentially what we're looking at now is the last 20 years, a 16% decline in the percentage of households that give. And in any business and any sector, if you draw a straight line of any decline or increase and you draw that straight line out, it ends somewhere. And when we did the math one day and we drew the straight line, you know, giving to nonprofit organizations essentially without intervention or, or any change ends in 49 years. So that really is a definition of the generosity crisis that less people are participating in the sense of giving to traditional nonprofits, and it doesn't end well. I guess the second part to your question is, why does it matter? We've got 1.7 million nonprofits in the country that provide 
um, everything from basic necessities to things that a lot of us take for granted, like the arts and humanities that frankly will not survive. So I think that without intervention and without combating that generosity crisis, nonprofit as we know it will look very different in the future and it will be painful for the 10 plus million people who work for nonprofits. So lots of social implications, both as kind of consumers in the world, but also as people that have just, we've grown up with all the virtues of nonprofit and what we receive from nonprofits without even really thinking about it. Right. Organizations that are brand names in society like United Way, YMCA, a lot of people just think that's part of the world without the majority of the funders, which would disappear in 49 years. Many of those organizations dry up because the big donors are only going to fund so many sources. So yeah, crisis would be the right word. Your book is based on the idea it's going to take radical connection to combat the generosity crisis. Fundraisers have focused on deepening donor relationships for years. So how does radical connection differ from that? And previous answer alluded to it, but why is it more important today than it was years ago? Yeah. And while the book is titled The Generosity Crisis, it's about a one third of the book is really kind of portraying what happens if giving goes away. You know, two thirds of the book is really what is the cause, both internal to nonprofits and external to what's happened to nonprofits in society in general. But two thirds of the book is really focused on this idea of nonprofits getting back to what they're intended to do. They're, and nonprofits at the core are essentially created to bring people together to solve issues that they couldn't do on their own. Right. So, a nonprofit, someone has an idea for something that needs to, to solve something in society. They create a nonprofit to bring people together at its core, but the pendulum has swung so far over the, you know, really probably the last 20 years, but even beyond around how nonprofits have, have taken donors for granted. Essentially the pendulum has swung so far to transactional philanthropy, just more is better, more is better, more donors are better, more donors at any cost. And that's had really significant mm -hmm. negative implications to our ability to bring people in and distrust in nonprofits. And we have to. We have to admit that what we're doing today doesn't work. The data shows it. So when we were writing the book, we didn't want to just leave people on this total downer of like, oh, we're all screwed yeah. and let's just like put the sheets over our head and just go back to bed. We wanted to provide something. We struggled with this. We struggled with, without getting in so much detail how a specific nonprofit combats this. In general, the conclusion was individuals have to rethink what they think they know about connection. And what I mean by that is that essentially affiliation and association are something that like we all as humans go throughout life and we have preferences for brands like you like Nike or Adidas or like Chick-fil-A or something else or associations and affiliations are very different than, you know, a deep connection and, and connection has become so trivial that average person receives 333 emails a day and they see between five to 10,000 ad images a day. So I think as humans, we kind of think that we have this unlimited ability to connect where we want to, but we're just like, we succumb to like this amount of messaging and pull for our attention all day long, every day that really the book is a call to say, look, like your ability to connect is a, is a finite resource. It's limited. The number of organizations that you can really get to know and for them to get to know you is limited. The number of people that you want to, you can bring into your inner circle is limited. So make conscious decisions about that. And I think the call to action for nonprofits is 
if you continue to do things the same way you're doing them, you think you're treating your donors, you're not for the most part in general, because we see donor retention at an all time low. We, people give to organizations in good faith, they may get a thank you note, but they're not brought in, in this deeper sense of connection. So what we did is created a framework that kind of shows the differences between traditional connection or affiliation and radical connection. And in a simple form in our book, we actually go through a whole recipe, which essentially could serve as a donor satisfaction survey if you built it out. But it really is this idea that with traditional connection, it's something that you wouldn't really go out of your way for. Like if it was happened to be on your way home, you're going to stop by and see your friend if it's on your way or you're traveling somewhere. Otherwise you're just not going to, but radical connection is very different is that you'll go out of your way for it. It will, it's something that you associate with part of your own personal values and your identity and that you're proud of. You talk to your friends and neighbors about it. And we each have some of these radical connections in our life, whether it's your alma mater and you, cause you wear the hats and you got the bumper sticker or a nonprofit that you're associated with that you feel like it's your values are so aligned that you can't help, but share it with other people. And when you do share it, you have a smile on your face because it really brings joy to you. So really just trying to take an attempt to say regular connection doesn't work. Like we know what the retention numbers are in, in what we think we've been doing and in, in connecting people, it doesn't work. Let's just be honest. We have to find a way to get back to the roots of bringing people together truly in partnership. Yeah. It's a very democracy in America kind of answer where you talk about the purpose of this is to engage people in the community for something they believe in and want to address and everything else flows from there. I really like the way you talked about a friendship of convenience as opposed to a friendship of intent that makes a lot of sense. So what is a high level definition of artificial intelligence and where does artificial intelligence fit into all of this? Yeah, it's interesting because I started working in AI in 2017, not even knowing really about the generosity crisis. I knew that we had a problem. So for me, AI was a means to an end because I knew we had a problem that we were raising more money from less people every year, year over year. Our goals would always increase, but our net donors were not. And so we had to find a better way of essentially what we know now, what we do is measure connection. AI really any form artificial intelligence does two things that, I mean, well, I guess three, I mean, the end result is ar around efficiency, but it brings personalization and precision. So the benefits of all types of AI are really around personalization and precision. And that really is the future of fundraising at the end that creates efficiency for nonprofits. So essentially AI can be a means to an end to help organizations get to know donors in, in more intimate ways. The same technology is being used by every, every large, the largest companies in the world are all essentially AI, big data companies now, and they're using that data to, to weed through the mass of information, to get you to care about their brand for a moment, just to take notice for a second, same technology for nonprofits, whether it's through machine learning or natural language processing or augmented reality or virtual reality can all be used for social good to bring people in closer connection. And I will say I'm tremendously excited. I just wrote an article for Forbes last week about five technologies that are going to change nonprofits forever. And it's not even going to change. They're already changing. These technologies are here and the early adopters are using them. But I think it is a possibility of using uh, AI in a really meaningful way 
to allow nonprofits not to just appear to be more authentic, but to get to know their constituents better in, in faster than they could have otherwise. Because just at least in my history, you can't hire your way out of the generosity crisis. You just can't hire a limited number of gift officers to form radical connections with every single constituent. You have to use big data and you have to use technology to essentially find the individuals that have the deepest form of connection to you. I love that phrase of precision fundraising. That's great. So looking ahead, right? We're about a month in to 2023. Geez. What do you think the rest of 2023 holds for both donor retention and, and radical engagement? I'm glad you're bringing it up because donor retention is kind of this thing that I don't know why it hasn't received as much attention as it deserves for years. In fact, throughout my career, the only time I really heard about donor retention was when we hired a direct mail vendor who would talk about donor retention. They talk about lifetime value because they're trying to quantify their existence as a firm. It's like, well, I know it costs you, it costs you $200 to get a hundred dollar donor, but it's, you know, it's really not that bad because this person has lifetime value of X. That's the only time in our industry in 20 years that I really heard those terms being used. And I think you bringing this up is a sign, honestly, that retention has become it mainstream now in the sense of like, there's a real issue, you know, for acquisition retention between online or offline hovers around 19 to 21% for new donors, for existing donors and most organizations around 40% of kind of continuing to retain those. There's enormous cost to that. And in fact, we just did an analysis on this recently and we show that when you find a donor that has higher likely of staying with you for a longer period of time, that, that lifetime value is 15 times higher for a better donor. So again, it's going back to what I said before, it's our industry has kind of been captivated, captivated by this thing of like, the world is my oyster. Every person's a donor. If I could just get a dollar from everyone in the industry, I mean, you know, there's been this thing of like, more is better, more is better. The reality is, is we have to flip the pyramid. The industry, I think, will in the sense, in multiple ways, actually, but one in the way of like, more is not better. Better is better. Better donors that stay with us longer are what we're actually looking for. That's never been available until now. Like AI has actually allowed you to do that for the first time. The only solution to doing that five years ago was hiring more people. But now we're able to use AI to essentially allow you to look at people that have a deeper level of connection through all their online offline activities and will stay with you. And from an ROI perspective, every leader should look at that and say, no brainer. Like it's a huge, huge difference, but it is a massive paradigm shift from the last 40 years of just kind of this idea of just like, let's acquire, acquire, acquire. Right. It's more of a shift to the ideal donor profile that's driven by the machine learning that enables the org to connect with somebody radically as opposed yeah. to more transactionally. Yeah. So instead of convincing people to give, you're essentially looking at data that exists to determine the people that are more likely to give and give again and be aligned with your mission and your values. And so it's there and the technology is there. I think it requires more than anything. It's really around, it requires leadership to prioritize retention over revenue, relationships over revenue. So if you, if that's your metric of success, then you are more donor centric because you're following the donors lead on that versus your revenue goals. And so I think the easier said than done, people are like, oh yeah, aha, I get it. Relationships over revenue. The reality is organizations have financial goals 
And they're afraid to kind of pull that trigger and say, okay, well, we're not going to think as revenue as our ultimate holy grail. We're going to think about relationships and net increases in relationships. But that's truly what has to happen because I really think the future of philanthropy is local, like large organizations appearing small, small organizations fulfilling the needs of, of their community in the way that they used to always. That's really the shift. And that's all about relationships. It's not about just more is better relationship or money comes first. Well, Nathan, we could talk about this for hours. It looks like we've come to the end of our allotted time. Thanks so much for being with us and sharing your insights. And to our listeners, you can connect with Nathan on LinkedIn. His book, Generosity Crisis, The Case for Radical Connection to Solve Humanity's Greatest Challenges is available on Amazon. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan Warnicky. We hope to see you next time on The Beacon Podcast. Thanks for listening to The Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Tune in every week for nonprofit topics with special guest interviews. Suggest future topics and learn more about upcoming podcast and guest at lighthousecouncil.com.